0: See somebody been shot somebody's been abused. somebody blew up a building somebody stole a car. somebody got away. somebody didn't get too
1: far yeah. hello and welcome to the conservative view with Jeff Gorman I'm your host I am running for Congress here on the Central Coast the congressional district goes from San Jose to San Luis Obispo it's quite a quite a district and we are going to run down the week's news for you at least a few stories we think are worthy also we're going to dive into some budget news for Monterey County and if you live in another county I think you'll find it instructive about how county bureaucrats and elected leaders get kind of either by mistake or by evil intent they get themselves into budgetary pickles so we're going to have a good time with that we're going to run down an older story about a police officer in PG that was railroaded out of town by a city councilwoman and we're going to talk about a few other things locally here but uh first i want to introduce brian higgins my co-host
0: good afternoon hello
1: and uh then of course i would say the biggest story of the week is the definition of a woman there's been a couple of interesting stories on that um
0: well i'm not a biologist
1: yeah but but, i but i know a dog when i see one (laughs) so we got that coming up um We have a candidate for sheriff in Monterey County that by some accounts is the favorite, but he's got himself a few little pickles going on. So we're gonna run down a story about his defamation case where he's accused of defaming other sheriff's deputies. And the county government in Monterey County is paying his legal bills, which I think is questionable. Um, Then further, we're gonna run down a story. It's a sad story. Not only did we have the murder of Police officer J.D. Alvarado and Salinas at the hands of an illegal immigrant, but we also had two other murders last month. Karina Vargas and Jesus Villa were both killed by illegal immigrant brothers from El Salvador. So I'll read you some details out of that story. There's many other things actually. There's going to be there's a constitutional sheriff. He's what he's known as, a sheriff from Arizona that successfully sued back uh, I don't know over a decade ago now about gun gun laws, and he's going to be coming to town tomorrow on the 27th. So I want to just make sure you know who Sheriff Richard Mack is and how important this case is that he won against the U.S. government as a county sheriff, and it really helped define the boundaries of the U.S. Constitution when it comes to federalism and state and local matters versus the federal matters. So we got a good show for you, and if you can tell, my throat is a little scratchy today i apologize luckily i don't think my bugs will be contagious over the show but hopefully i'll be back to normal next week
0: well if it was two years ago the whole world would be freaking out
1: yeah you wouldn't want to listen to the show because you might get covid you through the radio catch
0: covid yeah but <laughs> so. there there is a mask on the microphone and you can put masks over your speakers yeah. yeah this week um didn't we go down to san luis obispo county and check out a beautiful winery Yes, um, we did. Among other things.
1: Yeah, we did. We were down there campaigning in San Luis Obispo County, and one of the things we're doing is setting up a wonderful event on April 10th for uh, Eberly, Eberly Wines. We're going to do a little cave tour and have a nice little reception down there for donors to the campaign.
0: And that's for your congressional campaign.
1: That's for my congressional run. Yeah, I need to raise some money and do more. So how could outreach. People,
0: how could people contact you to get information? Or, or to sign up or RSVP for that event.
1: Excellent. Yes, it's a beautiful part of the world down there. And springtime is so wonderful. So it's if you want to get information, go to my website, gormanforcongress.com. And you can see about it. And then you can always call the campaign, 831-375-2227. So call that number and get yourself RSVP'd, 831-375-2227. And finally, if you go on the website, make sure to sign up for the newsletter. You'll be able to get the podcast emailed to you eventually. We're getting really, really good at this radio stuff, right, Brian?
0: Yes, and the, the the shows are uh, being populated on the website, so you can you can go and catch old shows now.
1: Great, and you can also go to Facebook. It's Jeff Gorman for Congress on Facebook, right? Correct. So that's uh, we're picking up activity there. We're kind of ramping up towards the towards the election in June and ballots are going to drop in the first week of May so be ready mark your ballot Jeff Gorman for Congress and if you're interested in a yard sign you can also call the number again one more time 831-375-2227 we have small signs for yards and we have big signs for hillsides along freeways and we would love to get the name up there because this is a race against the democratic machine and they are very serious. They've had a death grip on Monterey County, and now they're reaching down into San Luis Obispo, which has historically been a very conservative town. We need to to fight back. So um, let's see. We're going to run. There's a story that has been breaking over the last couple of weeks, increasing pressure on the people that signed this letter during the 2020 campaign where they accused... Trump, the Trump campaign of colluding still with Russia even after the Mueller campaign, and that Putin was putting out the Hunter Biden laptop was a hoax and a and a Russian disinformation campaign. And it, as we spoke about last week, the New York Times has now kind of gone on to do some hard reporting on their news side, where they're just admitting, yeah, that's that is Hunter Biden's laptop. But these people, including Leon Panetta and uh, one of the DNI's uh, director of national intelligence, who I have been acquainted with both signed this letter and it's, they haven't apologized. It's not in their nature to apologize. It's a very political
0: move. Well, not even apologize. How about a retraction?
1: Yeah. Retraction would be very welcome because they, and you know, an apology is just an emotional thing, but retraction is set the record straight. Leon Panetta, you know that that was really Hunter Biden's laptop. And you knew at the time you signed that letter, it would be damaging to Joe Biden and his presidency and you cared more about joe biden getting elected this malfeasant turkey of a president that you put in that's your buddy you lied to the american people and that's why i think you owe an apology but a retraction would be at least a step in the right direction and it would set the record straight so that's that's pretty rough stuff but it's got to be said Thank you Brian for helping me clarify you're that.
0: very welcome anytime so and and the big guy thanks you too
1: the big guy yeah right the big guy what are we gonna do about that I mean honestly we've sold out we got people that have sold out this country and and how many Congress people and senators and presidents have become rich 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 and nobody's really snooping around figuring that out I mean look at Diane Feinstein and Nancy Pelosi they're just ridiculously rich and they probably actually in their cases they started out with some money. But there's so much. Did you see Nancy Pelosi made a whole bunch of money on Tesla stock?
0: Stock options. I I heard about that. Trading
1: stock options. And, uh, you know, I'm a free market capitalist. I really don't have a huge problem with that. In fact, there's a whole school of thought on insider trading. The markets are most efficient when all the information is in as soon as possible. And that does mean if you're closer to the source, you're going to benefit more than outsiders. But Congress... Congress has a lot of regulatory power, and when the Speaker of the House decides to push one way or another, she can move markets. No question about it. Um, so yeah, that's there's a lot of a lot of potential corruption in there. Now I do a little bit of reading about uh, you know other people's perspectives on the Bible. You know, so I don't know if you're like me, audience, but you pick up the Bible and you read something and you just ponder it, and sometimes it resonates, and other times you're like, wow, that's really out there, and then you read the same passage. A few years later, and you're like, oh, my gosh, it makes total sense. So there's a thing where John the Baptist is talking about Jesus, and he says, you know, it's not me. I need to be diminishing, and he needs to rise up, you know, descending and ascending. And it's, we got to get our personalities out of the way of the truth. So when it comes to the truth, there is this question of like, do you have to be a biologist, a trained PhD, I guess, is the level of biology in order to declare that someone is a woman or not? I mean, how do we how do we define woman? Seems like something a judge should know. But check out this clip from Biden's pick for for Supreme Court. She she could not answer the most basic question. Listen to this, this is Senator Blackburn asking Katanji Brown Jackson, Biden's nominee for the Supreme Court. To define a woman, check this out.
0: Can you provide a definition for the word woman? Can I provide a definition? Mm -hmm. No. Yeah. I can't. You can't? Not in this context. I'm not a biologist. The meaning of the word woman is so unclear and controversial that you can't give me a definition? Senator,
2: in my work as a judge, what I do is I address disputes. If there's a dispute about a definition, people make arguments, and I look at the law, and I decide, so
0: I'm not... The fact that you can't give me a straight answer about something as fundamental as what a woman is underscores the dangers of the kind of progressive education that we are hearing about.
1: The dangers of progressive education. And this is the thing is it's, it's relativistic. This lady, she is so uncertain about what a woman is. She can't speak to one of the most basic things you learn of as a child.
0: You know, I don't think she's unsure of what a woman is. I think she's afraid to give what she believes it is because somewhere she is going to anger and upset some, somebody that has some
1: NCAA women swimming champion. You know,
0: handsome woman, handsome woman,
1: handsome, handsome woman. You know, it was it was because of you. I think of several months ago, maybe like in October or November, that this person was competing, and you brought it to my attention. Yeah, she, that there's this wasn't person. She was competing because of me. This dude, <laughs> this dude was swimming with the women and was rocking it. You know, just winning races. <laughs> he she is six four. He, she is not apologetic about taking in she, I guess, has been taking these hormones that do confuse the situation, no doubt about it, but he still pretty much looks like a man in the swimsuit, right? And, and there's a great clip. I wonder if I can dig it up. You know, the sound quality is just not there, but it's this woman with a British accent saying, that's not a woman. Does that have ovaries? That's, <laughs> it's hilarious. And she's the guy, the guy who, by the way, is wearing a mask and trying to talk to her is saying, you know, who are you to judge, that kind of thing. And he says, are you a biologist? And she says, no, I'm not a biologist, but I'm not a veterinarian either, but I can still tell you when it's a dog. And it's so funny. So I don't know if I'm conveying the humor, but keep your ear out for that one on Armstrong and Getty and other shows because it's pretty classic. I just can't get the noise quality good enough. So this story has got legs, and it plays back to the Supreme Court because... Here we have someone that's going to be deciding and arbitrating cases at the highest level in our system, the U.S. Supreme Court, and she has trouble defining a basic word, and and law is 100 percent described in words, right? Well, Brian? well,
0: President Burden, I mean President Biden, <laughs> promised that he was going to appoint a black woman. To the Supreme Court,
1: yeah. Which actually now we we can reasonably call into question <laughs> how do this we? How, if we is can't a woman,
0: define what a woman is. How do we know that he's keeping his promise? Yeah,
1: that was one of the key determinants of who is qualified, and and this person can't even affirm that she's a woman, as far as I know. I mean, she could have just simply deferred to herself, but well, I know what a woman is. I am an example of a woman, and but, you know. But she, again,
0: it's the cancel culture. She's afraid of offending someone out there, and
1: yeah. Well, that's a good point. The cancel culture. I'm not sure if the average listener would know about the cancel culture. Brian, what is the cancel culture?
0: I don't know. I I just read about it on Twitter.
1: Okay. Yeah. Well, if you're still able to get on Twitter, that's a start. That means you're not canceled.
0: Um, Actually, I gave up Twitter last year and I've been doing very well.
1: So you're not going to define cancel culture. So I'll just do it. It's pretty basic. Well, I might get
0: canceled. I'm afraid to define cancel (laughs) culture. That's right.
1: When you're afraid, it's when you're afraid to speak because you'll, you feel like you'll be ostracized. And that's sort of actually Voltaire is a little bit of a hero, even before Ben Franklin was Voltaire. And both of those guys, Voltaire and Ben Franklin, were heroes of speaking out. Ben Franklin, in some of his earliest letters, complaining about the corruption in his time, would sign him with a, a pseudonym, right? And the Federalists, they would write a pseudonym because they were afraid of being canceled. They were afraid of losing clients in the law practice or in their printing practices. And when people, when the whole community is operating in that kind of fear, Very bad things can happen. It's like a negative force. You might say, the dark side of the force creeps in. So you can see, I think we're up against some serious forces of the dark side in this political struggle that we are in. The forces of evil are around us, and it is no joke. And I do not know why our friends on the left, our liberal friends, can't understand that liberty is under attack. I mean, it's in their name, liberal. Can't they understand that my money gives me freedom to do things? If the government takes away my money and my property, my firearms, my right to speak, that that's fundamentally illiberal. Anyhow, we'll have more to say after this brief message from our sponsors.
2: You've been listening to The Republican View with me, Jeff Gorman. I'm running for Congress here on the Central Coast, and I firmly believe we need to have a strong Republican perspective in the mix here on the Central Coast. So this show is on every Saturday at 4 p.m. on Power Talk, 1460 a.m. and 101 f.m. You can reach me at 831-375-2227. Please leave me your name and your number and why you're calling. I'll look forward to hearing from you. And if you're enjoying the show, we would appreciate your support. My website is gormanforcongress.com. And the address, if you want to send a check, is Gorman for Congress, 215 W Franklin Street, Suite 312. And that's Monterey, California, 93940. I appreciate your support.
1: Okay, so Brian, we were talking about the forces of evil, the dark side, the dark side of the force. And there is this letter out there that I think people still aren't understanding how corrupted our intelligence community became right before, and maybe much before, Donald Trump's presidency and how much it was used to stir up dissension and cause havoc in the United States. And right at the center of it is Silicon Valley, and right at the center of it is former CIA director Leon Panetta, who's a signatory of this letter from October 19th, that basically was used by the Biden administration to suppress clear evidence of Joe Biden's very, very high level corruption, as you pointed out earlier, the big guy. So what are we to do? We are just the rebels. We're we're being persecuted and canceled. All these things we've talked about. What are we to do? I want to point out there's someone that actually Donald Trump has derided a little bit, but a great hero, in my opinion, for at least standing up. And he spoke with Jesse Waters recently. I'm talking about Attorney General Bill Barr. Could he have done more? I'm sure he could have. But is he a force for good? I think so. So listen to this clip from Jesse Waters talking to Bill Barr.
0: Did you see what the left was doing with this disinformation campaign? Did you come out and say anything about that? Absolutely. As soon as this uh, letter came out from these so-called intelligence uh, specialists, the DNI, John Radcliffe at the time and the FBI, which worked for me, both came out and said this was not the result of disinformation, Russian disinformation. The media ignored that completely, just kept on going with the disinformation line. I mean, that's pretty egregious. Mm -hmm. I mean, would you say that there was a conspiracy between big tech, former intelligence officials, the media, the Democrats to, I don't know, let's just use the word "rig." An election definitely that's yes that definitely made an impact on the election okay suppressing that news and it's not a question of whether it was criminal or not right just the facts alone uh, were shameful and most americans would immediately see what was going on and how repulsive it was
1: so when our friends on the left don't understand why we were saying things like stop the steal it wasn't just about election sloppiness and in mailing ballots to the wrong people and mailing 30 ballots to one house and having really very little control over the chain of custody of ballots. That is a part of the problem and it is concerning and I am concerned about that. And that's why I worked with the Election Integrity Project to sue the state of California and the county's registrar in my district in 2020 to force an audit and to get better information about how our voting system has been changed over the years but that's that's mechanical there is a ideological shift that happened sometime between the Clinton administration which Leon Panetta was a part of he was chief of staff in 1995 and 96 and the Clintons very carefully and hard pressed into silicon valley they they did a, a you know demonstrably strong job i'd say good except i think it's terrible they did a good job of getting a hold of the the Silicon Valley zeitgeist, if you will. And so you have Twitter and Facebook and Google who are all very, very willing to do absolutely the wrong thing and usher in President Joe Biden, which is a total disaster. We have to take back the House from Nancy Pelosi and from the Democrats. We have to strip away their power because they are corrupt at the worst and the most disgusting level. It is is disgusting. And that's a pretty strong word. But Nancy Pelosi, you just watch her and you can see. We have serious troubles with that person at the Speaker of the House position. Joe Biden is incompetent. He's, I mean, there's, there's tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people that are dead simply because he cannot handle foreign policy. Bob Gates, someone Leon Panetta knows well, said Joe Biden has gotten every single thing wrong on foreign policy, and that was before he's president. Now, tens of thousands of human beings are dead geopolitics is at the worst point since the Cuban Missile Crisis. And that's on you, Leon Panetta. So step up and own it. Come on, let's talk. I don't want to even debate your son, little Jimmy. I want to talk to you. You are at the root of this problem. When I play that Imperial Death March, I am talking about you. And I, I actually have met you, and you're a cordial person, and I know many veterans appreciate the work you did for them personally to give to give them Connections to the the machine, the, the political machine that's supposed to take care of our veterans. But if you destroy our country in the process of accruing political power for you and your family, you are on the wrong side. And just to be clear about the sides here, we've got an article out this last week about the pension problem at the county. And yeah, we've got a surplus right now at the county because of a lot of money coming in from the federal government block grants and support with covid but the pension mess continues. The formula is still upside down, and it's going to grow and consume more and more of the budget for the county, which is the same budget that funds services for homeless people, insane people, families that aren't getting enough food. These same things are under this county budget that's going upside down over the next few years. So for an example, this is a, an official named Vega. Potential challenges starting in fiscal year 2022 to 23, he predicts, An $18 million deficit at the county level, Monterey County, which is expected to increase to $21 million the next year, $26 million the next year. And I assure you, it keeps going up. So we've got to get serious and start talking about real matters here in our community. Meanwhile, another matter of good versus evil is this case where, and this is from the uh, Carmel Pinecone, March 11th. Gonzalo and Jose Echeverra were arraigned for the murder of Jesus of Jesus Villa and Karina Vargas, which occurred on February 5th, 2022 in 2019, a judge in Monterey County sentenced Gonzalo to five years and eight months in state prison for committing two separate felony crimes for the benefit of crim, a criminal street gang. He also had a strike prior. However, under the California department of corrections, this is a, uh, They used the Prop 57 rule, which is one of the things that softened parole. They paroled Gonzalo after he served only two years of his sentence over the objection of the Monterey County District Attorney's Office. According to District Attorney Janine Pacchione, this tragic murder, quote, this tragic murder might have been avoided except for an unthinking, soft-on-crime attitude by our California executive branch and legislature. When a gang member goes to prison and gets out, years early and kills two innocent people. Unfortunately, it is not only unsurprising and outrageous, but it also clearly demonstrates we are on the wrong path in California. And the quote goes on, but I will just say, thank you, Janine Pacchione. I appreciate you speaking clearly about this. She Now she says, this is not something our local police, courts, and prosecutors can fix. The people of this state must act, end quote. So we really do have a very serious problem And I'd be very happy to work with my friends on the left, the people like the state legislators and the people in Congress that are on the left. If they want to get serious about putting this crime wave behind us and talk about getting inflation under control and talking about a strong foreign policy that prevents disaster, it's peace through strength. I don't know why my friends on the left don't understand that. But if they want to start talking about those things, I'm with them. But if you're going to buck it and you're going to try and, condemn people that are on my side i'm going to fight back with all my heart because i know we're on the wrong track here in california and i think so does our district attorney here in monterey county janine pacchione she she calls it out actually i'm going to go on quoting her because i'm enjoying it so far quote when i said yesterday that these tragic murders might have been avoided except for an unthinking soft on crime attitude by our california executive branch and the california department of corrections i was correct They said yesterday that, quote, according to California law, Echevero was eligible for for day-for-day 50% credits. She goes on to say, what corrections meant was that they changed the law themselves pursuant to direction from the governor in his 2020-21 to budget to give inmates with strikes prior the same credit as inmates without them. Before that change... Inmates with strikes prior earned only 33% conduct credits. The The corrections department unilaterally and without public input changed the sentences defendants serve under these three strike laws. They also created additional ways for inmates to obtain early release. Why do they do this? According to the CDC, these changes would benefit our criminal justice system and communities by continuing to create Incentives and opportunities for inmates to positively program. Positively program means get on the right track.
0: Yeah, so their return to Salinas had a real positive.
1: Yeah, I mean, two young people are dead. I think they were CSUMB students. Directly and,
0: from the executive branch's orders.
1: And see, this is why it's it's we have federalist system. We have separation of executive, judiciary, and legislative branch. But we need to get a spine going. And when I see this Supreme Court nominee from Joe Biden, trying to get at the very top. she's The the other big complaint against her this week is that she's been very soft on sentencing. We have got to stop putting restoration of the criminal mind ahead of just straight justice. We have to get justice back in the criminal justice system, and we have to do it right away. So I, I really do appreciate our district attorney here. I just had the opportunity this week to meet the district attorney in San Luis Obispo, who I understand was a hero during the Black Lives Matter protesting and, and cancel culture crime wave extraordinaire that he stood his ground. And I heard many great stories about him this week. So I'm grateful for Dan Dow down there in San Luis Obispo and Janine Pacchione, neither of which in these, you know, Monterey has got a pretty good conservative contingent, even though it's a Democrat state. There's no, there's no George Soros person that could contend with these law, these, these district attorneys. And so I'm really grateful. Let's hope. San Francisco and Los Angeles get rid of their totally crooked DAs. Gascone and uh, I don't remember the other guy's name. Cheshi or something like that up in San Francisco. Anyhow, so we're rolling along with the show. I'm Jeff Gorman. I'm running for Congress. We have a a good remainder of the show for you here. We're going to be talking about some local issues. We're going to talk about uh, a sheriff's candidate that's facing a defamation case. And the county is paying for that with money they could be using for many other good things, to help the people of Monterey County instead.
0: Wait, you mean the residents of Monterey County are paying for that?
1: Yeah, the taxpayers, mainly property tax and sales tax and so forth. We've also got a little update about uh, the Michael Gonzalez case versus Jenny McAdams. Actually, it's against the city of Pacific Grove, but Jenny McAdams clearly, from reading it, from what I've read, she stepped way out of line. By trying to, as a city council person, intervene in the employment of city staff. And that's a big no-no. And she's costing the city of Pacific Grove a lot. And they they have refused to say just how much they're having to spend. But it is far from over. Go Michael Gonzalez. You stick it to him. And let's get Jenny McAdams off council. Okay, so last week I think I, I threw a little weight behind my friend Jeff Hoyne. In his race for being Monterey County Sheriff. And this week I want to just... Maybe balance things out a little bit. Justin Patterson is having an event on Sunday at Pasadena where Sheriff Richard Mack is coming. He, He is something called, he represents something called the Constitutional Sheriffs and Peace Officers Association. And he takes, he took his job as county sheriff in Arizona very seriously. There's actually a case that was decided by the U.S. Supreme Court. I want to bring to your attention because... This case is all about state sovereignty and and the difference between the federal government and the state governments. I'm looking forward to hearing his thoughts tomorrow, but I want to give you a little bit of a picture of what the issue is. The question that came up in these cases is whether certain provisions of the Brady Handgun Violence Protection Act that was passed in the 90s, the early 90s, 93, the first year of Bill Clinton's presidency, while Leon Panetta was in the administration. Basically, this law was more than gun control and more than federal intervention. The Brady Bill was an unfunded and unconstitutional mandate accompanied with a threat of arrest of US sheriffs, county sheriffs nationwide who failed to comply. In other words, the US Congress threatened to arrest the sheriffs if they did not go along with this federal mandate. The first case that was filed to push back on this, Sheriff Mack sought to and obtained an injunction prohibiting, prohibiting the federal government from arresting me. So I'll just point out at this point that Hillary Clinton, Bill Clinton, and Leon Panetta are all trained lawyers and somehow this law got passed and they were shut down at the Supreme Court, but it took three years and it was 25 years ago and so few Californians know about this, so few Americans understand How much the federal government is overreaching and pressing way too deeply into our personal lives. That was not the founders intent and we need to get them off our backs. We need to push back and knowing this case will help and it will help you decide who you are going to vote for for sheriff. There are two good, good men in this race, Justin Patterson and Jeff Hoyne. I implore you do not vote for Joe Moses and do not vote for Tina Nieto. I'm sure that they have served at times with honor but they don't understand the central issue. Constitutional government and being the top law enforcement officer in a county in the United States means standing firm when Sacramento or Washington overstep their bounds. We, the people, depend on people like a sheriff or a district attorney or a county supervisor to stand up for what is right. And I've talked about Monterey County District Attorney san san los obispo district attorney now we are talking a little bit about the county sheriff's race in monterey there's there's sheriff races all over the state in your county if you live in another county get to know these people get to know where they stand on these constitutional issues because it is up to us we the people to know who we're voting for and what they're about so precisely what did the brady bill do It amended the Gun Control Act of 1968 and required all chief law enforcement officers to conduct background checks on all citizens purchasing handguns at local gun shops. Perhaps this entire issue was best described by Federal District Judge John Roll. Sheriff Mack is thus forced to choose between keeping his oath or obeying a law, subjecting himself to possible sanctions. So imagine that, a federal judge actually addressing the oath of all sheriffs that they take to uphold and defend the Constitution of the United States. So these sheriffs, uh, Prince and Mac, appeared together in the U.S. Supreme Court in December of 1996. And on June 27, 1997, the Brady Bill was ruled to be unconstitutional. So the question this leaves us begging is who is responsible to determine how far the authority of the federal government extends. Who is responsible to enforce state sovereignty and the 10th Amendment? These these questions were addressed in this opinion by Justice Scalia, and I, I really want to encourage you all to understand how important the Supreme Court of the United States is and why we should stand firm against someone that equivocates on something as simple as the definition of a woman. That person is fundamentally unable to provide a boundary between federal law, state law, and and local jurisdiction of the sheriff's office. With that said, let me dive a little further into Scalia's write-up of his opinion. One of the points he brings up is state sovereignty. Quote, it is incontestable that the Constitution established a system of dual sovereignty. He cites some case law, Gregory v. Ashcroft and Taflin v. Levitt. As well as the Federalist Paper number thirty-nine, which was written by Madison, who would go on to be the fourth president of the United States. Although the states surrendered many of their powers to the new federal government, they retained, quote, a residuary and inviolable sovereignty. And that, that is very important. We is actually not just retained by the states. As per the Constitution, Ninth and Tenth Amendments, the federal government is limited. But it is also it is also true of us individually. And the Supreme Court has found us to have individual rights. The right to free speech, obviously, is a right for a person to speak. The right to bear arms is an individual right. And there are many progressives that still to this day do not accept the Supreme Court ruling on that. But the Supreme Court was well-founded in deciding that the right to bear arms is an individual right. And the individuals retain sovereignty in this federalist system. And it goes from there. This is where I think it might be tied. I might be able to tie it together for some people to understand that what's happened with our public school system is the bureaucracy has gotten so strong. It has eroded family rights. A child is fundamentally a unit of a household that is headed by a person of the age of majority that has sovereignty. And that child has rights of an individual, but they are, they are minors. They are under the custodial care of the major and that major person, the adult, has sovereignty and the schools must not undermine that. And we're seeing it all over the place where for if, quote unquote efficiency's sake, government bureaucrats are stifling the rights of we, the people. And who is, who is to push back on that? It's you and it's me. And so I really need your support. I am running for Congress here on the central coast. I'm running against the democratic machine. The, the Panetta political machine is very powerful He's able to raise 20 times as much money as I am. But this show is a function of my campaign. I pay the station a little bit for it. I'm also doing um, some guerrilla tactics like using social media. Look me up on Facebook, Jeff Gorman for Congress. We've been upping our posts there and just letting you guys know what's going on in the world of congressional campaigning. We want to keep you informed. And also check my website, gormanforcongress.com. You can also there sign up for newsletters. We're going to be sending out podcasts to those that are interested. And you can call our campaign to volunteer or to get a yard sign, 831-375-2227. And this is a, a direct appeal to you. If you have managed to get your finances in order where you can go out to spend $100 at a dinner once in a while, I'm going to ask you for a candidate support of my campaign, Go on my website. The easiest way is going on my website and clicking the donate tab there. It's gormanforcongress.com. There's a donate tab. When you fill that out, it's all properly uh, registered so that I'm able to keep this show on the air, do my candidate filings and do, you know, I have to employ a treasurer to keep up with all the federal finance laws for campaigning. I I need more of a staff. So we really, really need your help. If you can't afford 100 bucks, maybe $17.76 would be fine. That would be a huge statement of support for me. It really warms my heart. I do see every, con- every uh, contribution that comes in, and I would really appreciate it. So my mailing address, if you're not comfortable using the Internet, is Gorman for Congress, 215 West Franklin Street, number 312, Monterey, California, 93940. If I said it too fast, here it is again. Gorman for Congress, 215, W. Franklin Street, number 312, Monterey, California, 93940. And uh, I would really appreciate it. Now, if $100 seems too small, I know there are some people in this community that are doing very well financially. And if you can dig deep and give me more, whether it's $200 or $500, the maximum per campaign, so for the primary, is $2,900. But honestly, you could give me $5,800 because I'm collecting money now for the primary and for the general election. And if you're a couple, the maximum that can be given is 11600 And there are people that are using the political system now that are donating to Jimmy Panetta because they want they want to have a seat at the table, quote unquote. If you want to make sure that there's someone pressing back on the corruption, please consider donating to my campaign. I really appreciate it. So I think it's important for us to remember that residual state sovereignty was implicit in the Constitution's conference upon Congress of not all government powers, but only discrete and enumerated ones, as described in Article 1, Section 8. The implication of this was rendered express by the 10th Amendment's assertion that quote the powers not delegated to the United States by the Constitution nor prohibited by it to the states are reserved to the states respectively or to the people End quote the framers and I, I'm reading from this great packet a little a little brochure about the Supreme Court case for state sovereignty which was known as Mac Prince versus United States of America. So as I go on here, I'm just I'm citing heavily from this. The Framers experience under the Articles of Confederation had persuaded them, and the Articles of Confederation, just to remind you, is what what the thirteen colonies were operating under jointly before the United States Constitution was crafted. And that had persuaded them, their experience with that that using the states as the instruments of federal government was both ineffectual and provocative of federal-state conflict. So the framers rejected the concept of a central government that would act upon and through the states, and instead designed a system in which the state and federal governments would exercise concurrent authority over the people. The great innovation of this design was that our citizens would have two political capacities, one state and one federal, each protected from incursion by the other. A legal system, unprecedented in form and design, establishing two orders of government, each with its own direct relationship, its own privity, and its own set of mutual rights and obligations to the people who sustained it and are governed by it. So I'll just remind the audience, if I could, that our form of government is dependent upon the consent of the governed. And there are distinct governments between the state and the federal. And as as pointed out in this case, the county chief law enforcement officer, the sheriff, those are distinct bodies and their rights that the state government cannot tell sheriffs what to do in certain cases. And the federal government cannot tell states or sheriffs or individuals what to do in most cases. So we have we have lost sight of that. The progressive movement has totally eclipsed that. And we need to remind ourselves by looking at these kind of Supreme Court cases that make it crystal clear once you read it, that that our system of government is better. And now it said in this brochure that it was unprecedented in history. But I will point out the Magna Carta, which is just a little over 800 years ago, that started to create differentiation between dukes and nobles in a region of England and the king of England. And that was very important civil rights stuff in its day. And that sort of is the beginning of the boundaries of monarchical power. You know, this idea of one person that gets to say and do whatever he wants, and everyone else has to kowtow to it. The Magna Carta is actually something that preceded the U.S. Constitution and and a little bit illustrated the possibilities thereof. But at that time, of course, there was serfdom. And there were many, many feudal lords that had total control over the peasantry. And we refuse, I refuse to be treated like a peasant by the likes of Jimmy Panetta or Dianne Feinstein or Nancy Pelosi or Joe Biden. These people are rude. They deserve to be treated harshly. Yes, if they get themselves on track, they should be allowed all the rights and privileges of civilized people, but they are way out of line. And until they get back in line, they are not accorded those rights. They are uncivilized people. Joe Biden is flip and mean-spirited. He is wrong about things and he cannot admit it. He is It's just terrible. So, all right, I'll get off my soapbox on that. I just want to go back to uh, quoting Madison, who was one of the key framers of the Constitution with Alexander Hamilton. Quote, "...the local or municipal authorities form distinct and independent portions of the supremacy, no more subject within their respective spheres to the general authority." then the general authority is subject to them within its own sphere. Again, this is from Federalist Number 39. And I'm sorry if this is a little too wonky, but I think it's kind of important for us, the ordinary rank-and-file Americans, to understand what these different layers of government really mean. You know, where does the school district's authority come from, and where does that authority end when it comes to my child and wearing a mask all day long or learning about, Confusion, you know, being taught confusion about sex roles and biological differences between males and females. You know, there's there's perhaps a space for teenagers to get some of that, but this the quote unquote "don't say gay" bill, which does not mention the word gay, is a statute in Florida that simply prohibits teaching the sexual agenda. You know, the sexual confusion agenda of the left to kids that are under nine years old, to kids kindergarten through third grade, it shall not be taught. It's pretty straightforward and, and the that the leftists and the hyperactive people in our social media, like Saturday Night Live and so forth, that they don't understand that betrays how little they understand of human development and the innocence of children, how that needs to be protected. So this really does all tie together. Our role when it comes to voting, you know, we're going to have our ballots dropping in about five or six weeks. I really hope you will become acquainted with each of the roles that are up for election in Monterey County. There's some people that I like that are not in contested seats. The district attorney, Janine um the treasurer, a few other offices that are not contested down in San Luis Obispo. The sheriff and the district attorney are uncontested so the people have deemed them to be doing a good job but i'm not sure that's the best thing honestly we need to have these contests on a periodic basis repeating constantly people being asked you know who do you like for sheriff and why and even if the current sheriff is wonderful we need to know what that person is about and make sure that the system is working or else we are going to end up being being ignorant of what their job is so i remember when steve bernal was he was letting ICE operate out of the Monterey County Jail. And Luis Alejo, who is, was one of the primary advocates statewide for Sanctuary City and Sanctuary County and Sanctuary State rules, he, was, he made a little fit about having ICE in there enforcing immigration in the county jail. And at the time, people like Jimmy Panetta and many others were saying, well, the, you're creating fear and people won't want to testify at the courthouse if you have ICE in the courthouse. And... It's intimidating to have ice in the jail. Well, you know what? The sheriff is the one that should get to decide that. And we've seen now with the death of J.D. Alvarado and the death of Jesus Villa and um, what was the other person's name? Karina Vargas, that we can't just ignore these rules and we need sheriffs that understand the rules. And I kind of wish Bernal would have pressed this and required that the County of Monterey file a lawsuit to enjoin the sanctuary state policies once they were passed, because it has literally led to the death of many, many people from drunk driving accidents to fentanyl overdoses, to just straight up murder by gunfire. And, You know, gosh, there's another case I want to tell you about. I mentioned it a couple of weeks ago about a sheriff's deputy being shot dead in El Dorado County. And this case actually also ties in the problems with the marijuana business. Deputy Ishmael was shot and killed in an illegal marijuana grow in Somerset on October 23rd, 2019. Two of the men indicted are Mexican nationals who were in this country illegally. A federal grand jury in Sacramento returned a four-count indictment against Christopher Ross... He's the pot grower that claimed to have a legal grow, and wanted law enforcement to prevent thievery on his property. Juan Carlos Vasquez Orozco, Ramiro Bravo Morales, and Jorge Lamas. So these four are charged with conspiracy to grow marijuana. Vasquez and Morales are also charged with being an illegal alien in possession with a fire, of a firearm. Officials had strong words about the growing problem of illegal marijuana grows. I ask you, the media, please call this what it is. Don't soften it. This tragedy was due to an illegal alien tending an illegal marijuana garden who murdered my deputy, El Dorado County Sheriff John Diognista said. The men are also facing state charges, and Vasquez and Ross are both charged with murder. Morales is charged with knowing that Vasquez Orozco committed murder, but helping him try and avoid arrest. There's a couple of reasons why I wanna bring your attention back to this case, which is now almost, well, it's two and a half years old. But at that time, Mike Pence was scheduled to come into Carmel Valley. I was the county party chairman in Monterey County, and we were trying to get his event coordinated. And one of my key helpers from the national campaign lived in El Dorado County. And her husband was a deputy there in El Dorado County, and he was working the jail. And that was very disruptive. For a couple of days I couldn't get her because she very understandably was terribly concerned about what had happened to one of her husband's co-workers. He was murdered by illegal immigrants that were here on behalf. I mean, it's not doesn't say so in the indictment, but basically A lot of the criminal activity in the state of California is cartel activity. It is drug related. It is ancillary drug business that is key to the cartels functioning. And they are in California and they are functioning and it's very dangerous. And we need to elect sober minded crime fighters, not social justice warriors to the office of sheriff. So please, please get to know Jeff Hoyne. Get to know Justin Patterson. Do not be fooled. Do not vote for Joe Moses. Do not vote for Tina Nieto. And, you know, that's that's just such a big deal. I really want to make sure you guys understand that we can't have our, our fine officers like J.D. Alvarado and Mr. Officer Ishmael up there in El Dorado County mowed down. We're in a war and we need to get serious about fighting it.
2: You've been listening to The Republican View with me, Jeff Gorman. I'm running for Congress here on the Central Coast, and I firmly believe we need to have a strong Republican perspective in the mix here on the Central Coast. So this show is on every Saturday at 4 p.m. on Power Talk, 1460 a.m. and 101 f.m. You can reach me at 831-375-2227. Please leave me your name and your number and why you're calling. I'll look forward to hearing from you. And if you're enjoying the show, we would appreciate your support. My website is gormanforcongress.com. And the address, if you want to send a check, is Gorman for Congress, 215 W Franklin Street, Suite 312. And that's Monterey, California, 93940. I appreciate your support.
1: Well, I just have a few more minutes left of the show. And one of the stories I promised to cover was about... uh, the candidate for sheriff who is currently employed by the sheriff's office and his defamation case. So this is a hat tip to Royal Calkins, who writes for a blog known as VoicesOfMontereyBay.org. Bay.org. He's a veteran of the Monterey Herald in the Wayback Machine. He points out, I'll just read the first couple of paragraphs. Even many who closely follow Monterey County politics will be surprised to learn that three sheriff's commanders are still locked in litigation with the opposing camp from Sheriff Steve Bernal's re-election campaign of four years ago. A panel of appellate court justices in Southern California heard oral arguments Monday in the case that has meandered through the court system, largely at county expense. The commanders, Joe Moses, a current candidate for Monterey County Sheriff, Mark Caldwell and Archie Warren, who since retired, are accused in the civil lawsuit defaming Bernal's 2018 opponent, Scott Davis, along with Dan Mitchell, then president of the Deputy Sheriff's Association, as well as Davis's campaign consultant, Christian Snyder. So uh, rather than read the whole article, I only have a couple of more minutes. The key thing to understand is these men were all employed by the county, and the county is paying their legal fees. So much like Pacific Grove, who refuses to disclose how much they're paying the law firm they've retained, to defend the city of Pacific Grove against the wrongful termination suit by Officer Michael Gonzalez, who, in my opinion, served very honorably and was simply fired for voicing his free speech. Similarly, in the case of this county sheriff's contest, Joe Moses, who wants to be your county sheriff, he is named as a defendant in this civil suit, and it appears to have merit. So, I mean, it's at the appeals level now. So I really appreciate the teamwork and the press. I know a lot of times I, I badmouth the press on the Monterey Peninsula and in the Central Coast region for being over the barrel for the Democrats. But in fact, we all can see injustice and we need to have we need to support an incisive view. I'm Jeff Gorman. I'm very grateful for the opportunity to talk to you today. I hope you will continue to tune in every Saturday at 4 o'clock on 1460 AM and 101.1 FM Power Talk. Go to our website, pull the downloads of the podcasts. have a great time, get involved in your country, call up your county Republican Party. I look forward to bringing you more stories next week. Until then, God bless you and God bless the United States of America.